Hey guys, welcome to this first episode of the Awaken Out of Context podcast. I'm Jason Berry and my guest today is Dr. Joey Weber. Joey is a lecturer in health and social care at Bolton University in England. He spent his life immersed in meditation practices, including growing up in a Tibetan monastic community. Dr. Weber recently completed his PhD on the role of equanimity in mindfulness and its link to cultivating compassion. He is also the developer of the Equanimity Barrier Scale, also known as EBS. It's one of the world's first psychometric scales focused solely on the construct of equanimity. His latest book, Why Mindfulness is Not Enough, Unlocking Compassion with Equanimity, provides an overview of his research and includes case studies and guided meditations to bring equanimity down from the mystical and into the everyday. Dr. Weber's Equanimity method, which includes self-assessment and guided meditations, has helped individuals and groups unpack why we discriminate and how to find compassion. If you want to check out Joey's stuff, head to Equanami, that's E-Q-U-A-N-A-M-E-E.com, or just follow the links in the show notes. I hope you enjoy this very wide-ranging conversation with Dr. Joey Weber. That's a nice piece of artwork behind you. Yeah, it's my, it's my daddy's. Well, my daddy paints stuff. My, my daddy, my dad paints stuff like this. He's a he's a, he's a Tibetan artist. He's quite famous actually. Well, in the Tibet Tibetan art scene, which wow. I guess is not that major. But if you're in it, you can tend no, to know. No, it's cool. It's um, it reminds me of is it those like things they do with sand? It's kind of like what's the name sand of it? Mandala. Sand mandala. Yeah. A sand mandala. Is that yeah. that that's obviously not sand, is it? Imagine if it was sand and it all just crumbled. Yeah, I didn't know if it had been like covered in acrylic or something crazy. No, it's a mandala, but it's not sand. It's on canvas and it's painted. Cool. Yeah, so that's what he does. That's part of the reason I am. Um, I'm so into like. Well, I've had so much education in Buddhism, and up, and my upbringing was kind of saturated with it. Mm. So when I came to do like the PhD, it was noticing how the West had conceptualized mindfulness and where it was going with it. Mm. And then thinking this, it could go a bit deeper, actually, it could be a bit more profound. So it was going back into the Buddhist teachings to see what was there that would have could supplement where the Western knowledge was at. Uh, and so for me, that was equanimity quite clearly. Um, and that's what I've set out to do, which is, I assume you've got an insight into, have you? you, you yes, you, I've, uh, I've, I've read some of the book. Ooh. I was try- planning. I was trying to read it all this week, and then life happened. You needed a poo. Yeah. Well, do you know? Do you know? <laughs> see, I, see, I'm dyslexic, right? So, I've, oh. audiobooks have been a complete game changer for me. So, I've actually got your book on paperback. I've got it on Kindle, and I've got it on Audible. But obviously I wanted to make it as easy as possible for myself. So I decided not to audible it and try and be impressed try and impress myself and read it properly. But I ended up making it more difficult for myself when I probably should have just listened to your dulcet tones in the car or something. Would have sent you to sleep, mate. I wanted to feel like a proper podcaster, like glasses on and highlighting notes and stuff like that. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping you'd be a you'd, you'd have such in-depth knowledge that you'd know it more than me because I can't remember it now. Well, do you know it's a funny one because I was sort of doing a bit of research and stuff and thinking, well, is it good to know all the book or is it actually good to to not know some stuff? Because obviously, if someone else is listening to this that hasn't uh, read the book, you don't want to just crack on and just assume people know does that make sense <laughs> yeah so i feel like the optimum length of book reading was achieved which is like 30 <laughs> percent. so you read like what uh, the foreword <laughs> 100 pages really so you did 30 pages it's not bad 
but some of them would have been pictures, title pages. So yeah, my 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 the my speed the, the speed of my reading is about thirty percent. So I've basically read a full book. Yeah, you've read a full book, but like very slowly. Yeah, so <laughs> it's the thirty percent speed is probably in theory taking you about nine years to read thirty pages. Well, do you know? Have you ever seen those? There's I think one called Speechify, but basically, if you've got an article, a Google Doc, or anything like that, and it's like a plugin, and it'll read it for you. And the idea is you can sort of hack, so you could speed it up and then read it as you're thinking it. So it's like a whole product productivity hack. And uh, <laughs> I was doing it, and I couldn't keep up with the normal reading speed. So I had to slow it down and it had this thing at the side saying like how much productivity is saving. And then I went into minus. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, that, that, that makes me feel a bit shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. hey, it's not a deficit. It's, it's a good thing. To be honest, I hate reading. I, I can't believe that I've done a book because I don't enjoy reading at all. And I don't like writing. So well, that's that. fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> but I think I've you know had- with with things like podcasting and audiobooks, it's just a I, honestly, I just love it so much because it's just opened up knowledge to people. One in a sort of physical space, so you don't have access to it, and then two in terms of like an intellectual, you know, if you struggle actually reading, mm. you know, it's cool. Mm. So. Equanimity. When, like, when did you first like come about, come across the concept? What do you think? What do you think it is? What do I think it is? Yeah. Uh, it is being able to keep a cool head and a soft heart. <laughs> an open heart is that right well it's, it's, it's like it's the balance go on the balance see I've, I've 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 wondered if it's similar to i was wondering about zen how it differs from zen and the, and the middle way as the buddha would call it is it somewhere around that i know it's quite quite hard to uh well well i've got two definitions you see so i'm interested in people's idea Mm-hmm. Uh, because, I do, because there's so many like the first first thing you said sounds like I don't know you read it in like a greetings card shop or something <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the, you google it if you google like equanimity or whatever then you, I'll expect some kind of like mountains and weather no matter what you stay the same the mountain stays the same and or some kind of oh, like the uh like a like a stoic kind of mountain that stays steady while the storms are going on around it Exactly, yeah. That or some kind of like stream and you know, I don't know, pebbles. But it's also it's always quite like abstract and out there, isn't it? And it doesn't make sense to us in a practical way. Like we're human beings and we don't speak in mountains and rivers. <laughs> we're speaking like like you know, when we say heart, it's like what really does that mean? Mm. What do we mean the organ, the biology of the heart? Like what aspect of it is it is it you're talking about? So like really these kind of questions and growing up in um, the environment I did, uh, the people I did, uh, and professionally life, the, one of the biggest things I found, and you can say, ask if this is true or not, was that I felt incredibly judged all the time by people. Okay. What do you what about what do you think to that? Is that true for you? I don't know. I th- I think yes I've felt like I'm judged but actually I think a lot of people don't really give a shit what you're doing and the one of the things I've learned in the last few years is it comes back to that kind of basic thing concept of kind of caring less about what people think about you and I've had to do quite a work quite a lot of work on myself in that regard but I've sort of got to the point where I think I don't know if they are judging that much anymore because they've got their own, their own stuff. So, own so you're saying, so you're saying that you 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 judged yourself more than you perceived others judged you. Mm. 
Yeah, is that right? Yes. By the way, there's no right or wrong. I, I'm I'm asking you because I'm generally interested because people have different experiences, but uh, in essence, there's this feeling of uh, quite extreme polarity towards extremes. It's either yes or a no or mm -hmm. a like or a dislike. Quite passionately involved or like they hate and reject it. So mm -hmm. it's like accept or or reject. All these kind of concepts are, are how people behave uh, in relation to others. And so friendships, relationships, everything's built around how a person judges uh, sure. a person. Uh, and of course, we, you, like you've just said there, we also do a whole host of judging on ourselves. Mm. And, and really, equanimity is the construct that enables you to become aware of why, how and why you judge Got the you. way you do. So I, I'm trying to really make it this very, very particular mm -hmm. uh, and scientific meaning that you can test and measure it because if you can test and measure it it becomes part of a program and then that can be tested on people and then we can see any effects of equanimity training for example on on people's brains to see if it is something you know have you so done any studies in that regard no i've created a tool that measures equanimity but all the studies are really early it's a really early place in the world for uh, science on equanimity it's that's why I like have become one of the people to talk about it because there was no one else talking about it mm. it's kind of implied um but what 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 it is is there's two parts to it the first part is you're in equanimity and so if I was to try and create my own equ equanimity now in relation to something mm -hmm. I'd become aware of how my uh, mind categorizes so it I call it discrimination faculties, but basically we we like something or we dislike it or we find it neutral in any experience. So we'll be doing it now. We're either like this or neutral or and the people at home, if there is anyone that's gonna listen, it's gonna be like Randy and Phil. Randy and Phil. <laughs> oh, I like this, I dislike that. Every single experience we ever have is a category that we've created. It falls yes. into a. Is that? Do you would you say that's true? Yes, it's like a. It's almost like an engineer's way of looking at it, taking a zoom out, a bird's eye view. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And okay. do you know what it makes me think about is something I wanted to ask you about, which was uh, psychedelics. Psychedelics. Psychedelics and that sort of sphere, and we maybe sort of going slightly off on a tangent, but it reminds me of when i have partook on a <laughs> in a in the psychedelic realm shall we say yeah i remember like once being like i woke up the next morning and i was like i couldn't put it into words but it was like everything i could see all the categories i could see all the columns that everything fit into and it kind of so what you were saying there about judgment and categories, I felt like, yeah, yeah it sort of reminded me of that in that everything is a construct, isn't it? And I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, let's let's talk about let's talk about that. So basically, then, so in equanimity, is your awareness of these categories, so awareness of one's own discrimination faculties, mm. but you're not reactive to them because you're going to respond with compassion for self and others so you you part of that journey but see equanimity uh is definitely like a warmth it's like an insight it's mm. like a development on from uh just being still in presence but it's how you conduct yourself in in the world uh, and it, it's to do with an action it's an action element so you're doing something you're being deliberately consciously non-reactive but so you can react compassionately. Uh, and so by doing that, there would be the sense of inner equanimity going on for you. Right. Because you're aware that your constructs have created you to think and act in a certain way. Like certain and biases. I, yeah, in all implicit bias, you know, all these biases that we've learned from mummy, <laughs> mummy, daddy, parent, you know, siblings, early childhood, early authority figures, school. Mm. 
media, politics, you know, you can't really go anywhere without having bombardment of advertisement upon us. So somewhere along the line, we're reacting in relation to that, not necessarily a true form of who we are mm. or, you know, what we class self as, but we're just regurgitating these social constructs, but being so definitive about them because these categories are giving us such a, like a, a seductive kind of, you know, way of, way of being because if we like it we want it you know it gives us pleasure and it's like oh, man, i want more of it more of it mm. you know, that stops uh or the more and the more is actually turns the pleasurable thing into not a pleasurable thing yeah because it's grasping hamster wheel type existence so even pleasure itself is like so fleeting and temporary because of the lack of equanimity we have to it it, it it's you know it can become quite a a difficult thing and i think that's like the roots of addiction and stuff like that and sure. so then when you go like dislike we'll avoid that um and you kind of repress or suppress all the stuff you're not interested in because you're so concentrating on what you like and all the neutral parts of life and experience you're just not asked about them so they probably get put on the dislike pile actually which makes you more polar like you know more extreme mm. because most of life is actually kind of neutral really but there's this sense of always living in a waiting room waiting for the next thing to give us pleasure and it's somehow that during this process because of the lack of equanimity and the lack of awareness towards our own categories that we somehow don't experience life to its fullest mm. and that and constant so, chasing yeah so so inner equanimity is that does that make sense categorization and then compassion um and then outer equanimity this is this is the cool bit where you connect with with others because you're like bloody hell i've got all this conditioning going on and i've got all these heavy constructs uh but really they're, they're in many ways made up i mean some of them i might really truly feel but a lot of them are just kind of fabrication uh so if i'm going to try equanimity to you now like mm -hmm. i'm trying to be equanimous to jason I'm going to recognize that you've got this whole host of discrimination going on towards me. So it's like, oh, you might not like my my bloody T-shirt or something, or the way I did my hair, or the fact I didn't say something, and it's your podcast, and you're trying to get it a certain way. And, you know, so that might create a dislike, and that might affect mm. you. But rather than me then slamming you for it and us having conflict, because I'm practicing equanimity to you, I'm going to give you absolute patience because you've got your discrimination. So I'm aware I'm not yes. reacting because I know what's going on. And yeah, ultimately, yeah. I'm going to be a person. So I'm like, you know what, Jason, don't worry. I, I'll, I'll still, I can still like you and we can still get on. So even if you have a conflict, mm -hmm. it's like you can have a conflict at the behavior, but not ultimately the deep down the person. So you can get over things more. And I think it's mental resilience, emotional regulation, all that type of stuff. Do you think... I'm trying to work out the difference between sort of basic self-awareness. I'll give you an example, and I'm slightly embarrassed about admitting this, but I like to go to the sauna quite a lot. I have a gym at home, but I go to sauna elsewhere. Anyways, and I noticed it last night, actually. And <laughs> I'll walk past someone, and it's usually a bloke that looks in really good shape, I'm not going down that route. Looks really good shape. And part of me hates him. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> not bad. In, yeah, in my yeah, head. Yeah. And, then I, and then I catch myself and I go, why is that? Well, it's actually because you, it's usually someone who's probably similar height to me, similar sort of weight class, shall we say. Yeah. And, and it's probably, I'm just jealous. Because yeah. I would like to look like that. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I'm aware of it. And of course, I don't hate him. Yeah. Because I've caught myself in that moment. Yeah, totally. I hope well, no one from Nuffield is listening to this. <laughs> I'm going to send it to the bloody HR after this. Yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, I do. I don't want people to think all the people. I don't want Phil and Andy to think that we're not talking about psychedelics because I do want to come back to it. I was yes. getting there. But anyway, you've you've talked about how, this. How are you for time, by the way? Because I know you. I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. 
It was, what did you say? You're going to give me £100 an hour? Yes. <laughs> Not joking. Um, the, 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 the second uh, hour must be on credit, though. So. <laughs> no, I'm only, oh, I'm only joking, Jason. <laughs> Bloody um, daft, didn't he? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would say, I would say this is where mindfulness has done incredible things. Uh, my book, it's, oh, my work's clearly, it's not enough. It, it, some people, go, even because of the lack of equanimity to that, go, oh, you didn't like mindfulness. He's trying to make it somewhere else, mm. you know, because I've used the word not or something. And it's a lack of equanimity towards fucking language. So people will pick it up because they're like, ooh, it's not why, it's not, you know. So well, you've got to have a good title, otherwise no one's going to pick it up. Yeah, it's exactly. got to be, you know. I wanted six people to read it at least, so, you know, I had to be <laughs> Um, so I would say yes this is where mindfulness comes in you've become self-aware I mean you're self-aware even when you're not practicing mindfulness but the ability to be, to monitor what's going on mm. at the, in the moment is self-awareness you're like you're aware that this thought has come up about this guy because it's had symbolic meaning mm-hmm. and you're and you know if you were complete arsehole you'd then I guess be an obed to him like re- yeah reality. you wouldn't catch yourself in that moment and you would just be a dickhead yeah exactly but you you monitored it you thought that's not necessarily true and you let it go mm. so in that instance yeah there's tiny little flash pans of equanimity like happening so what i'm saying is that's good uh but why don't we practice to cultivate that at all times mm. not just like random times and that's a small incident you know if you think if you basically think about how emotional life is or how emotional people can get the quicker people are to be so involved in their emotions the the less equanimity they have sure so it's it's a kind of like observe how absolute blown away you are by your own emotions Mm. it's like your mind your mind's a bomb a ticking time bomb you've got ready laid kindling of likes and dislikes already laid there from your whole conditioning and any single moment someone's going to light a, a bloody fire inside you and you're going to react mm. it's just you just can't not react with your emotions because there's nothing but emotion you feel you are the emotion in the moment so you are not your thoughts <laughs> yeah yeah so so working with equanimity would be like working with all of that mm. catastrophe and just recognizing that you can slow that process down and over time you respond you, you become less reactive mm. i'm not sure if you're aware of my own meditation journey but i've been doing it for like six years i got into it through the headspace app yeah and i sort of see some of the issues with where some people might criticize it because it's quite a could be a quite a linear sort of process in terms of just being mindful, paying attention to the breath and stuff. But I do think having practiced it over time, you can't explain it, can you? But you start to see things differently. It's probably the same reason that you can become aware, more aware of equanimity. Does that make sense? Mm. I suppose you say in the book, it's a really good starting place. It's a really good um, base yeah yeah i think yeah yeah totally yeah you're right these apps these the, the, all the all the um saturation of the mindfulness world and the meditation world it's opened it up so people are meditating who wouldn't necessarily meditate and they're trying it and mm. giving it at least and now there's like a healthy enough science body out there for people to be like yeah all right i'll give it a go and then that's having some genuinely profound effects for people and it's helping people deal with the like the dis-ease and the disease of, of life which is mental neuroses and it's stressful mm. it's definitely helping um i guess this is some of the criticisms i have of the whole industry is that it's not getting to any kind of like root problems uh it's kind of rather than looking at society and the way it's structured and the inequalities that it's creating it's just kind of telling people to get on with it but a bit mm. better <laughs> deal 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 with all the shit but more mindfully it's not actually changing anything so that's where yes. i was, came in and thought well you know it fits very nicely with the kind of model of just you go off and do it yourself it's nothing to do with 
90 hours a week we're giving you it's all about how lacking in mindfulness you are so you know sort yourself out and come back to work type thing yeah uh, and so people are, are using it you know some organizations do it tokenistically some 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 embed it uh individuals at the same time normally individuals just have an app and they do it dip in dip out uh-huh. but I, i'm kind of like one that's kind of promote preventative uh yeah. i do consistently over time like that will protect yourself a lot more yeah. whereas what tends to happen is they're like oh i don't fucking meditate and i'll drink smoke and do what i want for like uh-huh. years and then suddenly i'll have this mental health crisis i'm like what do i do 99 of the time you yeah. just go and get pills and then it'll kind of hide the issue it puts it under the carpet but and then that, that that's when they'll try meditation go oh, i'm going to try meditating and they'll sit down for 10 minutes and go can't do this it's crap. Mm. work or whatever and yeah. it becomes this insanely trivial little gesture mm. uh, against the backdrop of all kinds of stuff that's like really messed up so i, I don't like it used in some kind of the, the modern context but at the same time you know if it works it works and it's each to their own people yeah. have different um different hurdles to go through so yeah so. everyone's sort of coming coming at it from where they are yeah um, you where you're at obviously <laughs> it's the only starting point do you know i'm going to come back to the sauna again mm. you know you're talking about um you know, some people who might sit down and they go, oh, you know, I can't sit still or, or whatever. And that's another thing I notice when when I'm in the sauna or the steam room and I would watch people or I'll just observe what's going on and yeah. so many people just can't sit still. I know, yeah, it's a big, uh, it's a really big problem, I think. And I think this is in part to uh, a lack of equanimity, a lack of contentment with the neutrality of experience. Mm. We're desperately trying to seek some form of pleasure and smartphones have given us that shit like you'd give little dopamine hits every time you kind yes. of wiping right so we're now programmed uh, to constantly seek stimulating experience and so it's the constant seeking that becomes a bit of a trap and then over time not that much time actually your whole neural pathways will just reflect that so you are just going to be like this living You're talking about um digital dementia oh right that's a term that's been thrown about at the moment right okay and that i guess that's just what a lack of yeah it's that tiktok you know that super everything's super fast yeah yeah um there's even films now there's films that are coming out that uh let's say their target audience is below the age of 20 Mm. and the way that they switch between camera angles is like this wow it's the same cadence of how people are used to scrolling that's that's how quickly that's really fascinating yeah that's definitely symptomatic of a culture and a society that doesn't Mm. value presence doesn't value the the serenity of the moment and deep down it's because people don't feel comfortable with themselves Uh, they don't know who they are they don't know why they are the way they are and instead of figuring that shit out, we're just trying to mask it by playing games. Uh, and so mm. what I see is a lot of dysfunctional people with social masks on. Uh, and so equanimity is like just exploding the mask. It's like, take it off. Mm. And like, who who are you? And how how can you deal with reality uh, in the good, the bad and the ugly? Uh, you know, the neutral, the positive, the negative. It's very vital for people and it's a really useful skill and tool but even now you know it's like it's not communicated that well and it's full of misperceptions about it being something to do with mountains and that and weather mm. you know it's it's got to make it practical you've got to be what well, what do you mean in in your conscious experience subjectively how can that to translate into equanimity mm. as well as like the seven step method in the book and there's also meditation practice specifically for it uh, the meditation practice for equanimity isn't just like following the breath and looking at your body scan, although those do might ex- implicitly create a tiny bit over time because uh, you're kind of 
dealing with sensations pleasant and unpleasant like when you do the body scan like naturally that might evoke some form of equanimity towards stimuli but but at the same time there's other meditations that will directly focus on an equalizing con concept in your in your mind in relation to different people so i do like a meditation that invites you to visualize like someone you like and you say the kind of similar things to them or imagine them and mm -hmm. then someone that you don't like and then someone that you're neutral to but the same the consistency is there mm. uh, I'm used to that so it's like re reframing you like your experience so you've got to have the meditation part to it and the self-analysis you mm. know and the kind of the wisdom insight element of like learning about it uh, and too often because of, we're in this society that you say we can't sit still and we we're flitting relentlessly from one thing to the other mm. but it's head stuff it's all intellectual crap mm. like buying any of it uh, and so knowledge about equanimity is, is pretty useless to you unless you're also trying to apply it mm. it's the experiential aspect of it that then gives you that deeper sense of knowledge and um power and and you can use that in in your life otherwise it just just becomes a, a thing you know we could be talking about potpourri now Instead of the word equanimity, I could talk about potpourri. How it's such a nineties thing to say, by the way. Gone <laughs> in my eye there. That just made me want to smell it. But yeah, nice. so, yeah. so do you know what I mean? Though it's like even language is a construct, and so you know we've got a new word now, and it's like, oh, what does that mean? Mm. You can only get so so far with knowledge. You also need to experience and apply it. So well, that's the 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 other downside of all this. Um, yeah, I was talking before about how you know the uh, books have been opened up by lots of audio books and podcasts, and but then on the flip side of that, there's knowledge, and then there's actually you can go too far, and then you've got so many books and so many different things and so many morning routines that yeah, scary, and it's like acts as a barrier doesn't it it's like, mm. it's well, like it's, a... um, have you come across that guy what's he called naval naval rack reckonick or something it's just type him in google say naval he's he was like a silicon valley type of guy but he's um he's really interesting anyways and he he, he basically yeah. he he um he's like an investor and all this so and but he's he sort of um he does a lot of meditation and stuff like it's a really cool guy you should look him up anyways and uh he talks about um i think it's 10 books so rather than reading like 100 books or 200 books or whatever he's like it'd be better to read you know one or 10 really really well and apply things in it rather than flitting from the next thing mm. so trying to gain all this knowledge where yeah, exactly. actually you know take you know your book yeah great example <laughs> obviously finally i thought you were just here to plug naval yeah i was like finally he's going to sell me a book phil allen's already bought it so we're gonna to have to think yeah. of something else link in the bio link in the description <laughs> and uh yeah take take that one book and then take my book and uh read it 10 times yeah 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 well um, by just buy 10 copies reach each copy once yeah every little helps <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting one tesco coming in there oh is it not asda every little helps i thought every little helps is it no I thought... that's just that's as the price and some birds oh, right. in her ass yeah yeah you're right sorry i must, <laughs> I must have really loved that image I know image. every little helps. Do you ever do you remember the bay? The I bay think, radio. Like an idiot, Jason. You're totally right. It's Tesco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the bay radio? Yeah, of course. Yeah. They had a jingle that they had in the 90s. It comes into my head every few days. Just in the morning might come on, and I think it used to be always on in the morning before we went to school. And sometimes it'll just be there. Mm. And like that place, it got bought out by uh, Hart like years ago. Like it's not running anymore. 
And that jingle, it used to say a favorite it's on the 1670s, 80s and 90s. So it stopped in the year 2000 and it's still running around in my head. Well, there you go. That is the power of uh, conditioning, social mm. conditioning. And that's why I was talking about it, by the way. I wasn't just talking about. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that because, yeah, what we because what we what you basically just showed us, you've demonstrated to the world there is that human beings are very vulnerable. And so, so malleability, the brain, the plasticity, right? Yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. We're, we're soaking up everything. Uh, and basically, I, I mean, I looked at an article last week and it said we get advertised upon about between three and uh, 10,000 times a day. Really? Yeah, apparently. I mean, yeah, I've started to try and like notice now, but. Well, I know so- they talk about you know, um, Facebook ads and Instagram ads and all that and how we're now being, they say, you know, literally manipulated into a certain way, but it's actually nothing new. Yeah, exactly. Because we've always had TV and... We have, yeah, but I guess guess we used to turn TV on at a certain time and then Mm, we had little mini TVs in our little pockets all the time. Yeah. I don't mean literally mini TVs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean like phones acting as TVs. Uh, sure. And even, like, you know, so it, we're seeking out. This is the difference. I guess before it's like, oh, those set times in which we were potentially going to be infiltrated by ads. But now it's like because our brains or our, our minds are so kind of vulnerable and we're not mm. used to dealing with ourselves, we're actually seeking out. We actually get stimu- stimulate, stimulated from adverts. Mm. That's stimulated from adverts. So we're actually getting receiving reward. Our mind thinks it's reward based upon junk. So we're now going to focus on junk to get reward. Do you get me? So we're training ourselves yes. to be like kind of really warped creatures that are kind of getting rewarded uh, on such a, a, a mass level, but the reward's almost pitiful. We don't even notice it. Uh, and but it's keeping us in in, in that kind of cycle. Mm. That's heart, that's heartbreaking for me, uh, who's a father and um, who's interested in people because it's like Jesus Christ, we have enough crap to deal with. With let alone trying to now, you know, just be in the moment and be with people. It's like our brains have been hardwired in a way that's detrimental to our mental health. So anxiety, depression, and all that kind of jazz is shooting through the roof and it's there's no wonder mm. um, yeah so yeah, it's, it's I, I really feel for the next generation but it's and, also something that like every single person in every generation has said i feel for the next generation i feel for the next because humanity is just pretty messed up really in, in yeah and and, and so has been in ancient times uh you know when the greeks i always think about all oh, the greeks had it right but they, they were full of like raping in each other and of course yeah let's pause this go get some lsd and and come back in three hours and we'll talk psychedelics make sure that mandala's brought down (laughs) i'm just gonna come back in in, as ai or am i now and that's the real joe is watching me Mm. rolling me no don't you'll give me a migraine because once i start (laughs) overthinking these little pixels Let's see. One second. I'm going to see like this normal red rose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for the reality check. We're at my my mum's, I think it was the Jubilee or something. And she had, at the the end of this gazebo, she had... um, it's like um, a reel, uh, a plug with a reel on it, and it was like hung up over in the corner, and then it had a plastic bag around it. But the plastic bag was, it was a waterproof power socket, basically. Just wait, and <laughs> I we kept on saying because the bag was just floating around, and I was like pleased about that bag being up there. I don't know my, <laughs> and then it became a bit of a thing where I was saying. You know, like in the Matrix, when there's like a black cat walks past and it's like, you know, just keeping you in check. I'm like, don't worry. The bag's there. We're not. It's not a simulation. 
so now the the plastic bag and the um gazebo has become slightly legendary wow so it's got a label of being... and that's without psychedelics that's some kind of anyways. thing <laughs> I, I want to see it now yeah it's it's uh, it's probably gone in the bin but the it's memory really of the bag remains and it and it lives on through our shared stories about the bag. So any listeners, all the thousands of listeners are now going to have this yep. image now and that's going to repeat Anything. down. Just pop down a happy shopper and ask for a 20p bag and you'll see what I'm on about. There's a lot of supermarket references in this. I know. What, are you just a product? My first sponsor is uh, Happy Shopper. <laughs> you what? Are you just a consumer? Just a consumer. Yeah. You 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 don't want really to see what I'm surrounded by stuff. Topic picnic. I'm just, just thinking retro cool chocolate bars. Just no, I'm you know I'm pretty good at the um, not having the old chocolate. <laughs> yeah, it's the cocaine that gets me. <laughs> just the psychedelics, <laughs> just the mushrooms and the fucking acid. Yeah. Uh, just to finish that story, I yes, I I would be all for that. I think they're making waves in terms of therapy and healing. Mm. And I think access provides insight and wisdom and win- wisdom combined with the right use and motivation can create healing. And that is, that can, you know, be very helpful. So I'm definitely not against it. I think it's intention. And obviously, just for the record, it is illegal where we are in the UK and probably most places. But yeah, I think uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting development and they're doing loads of studies and stuff, aren't they? Mm, yeah. They, so, the mysterious, they, they scientists, bloody white suits. I, I used to think white they coats, were... <laughs> white suits, <laughs> the, the whites, the white coats are doing it on the white suits. Yeah. Using multicolored roses. So let's talk, uh, more practical <laughs> tools and less of the abstract, shall we? So if okay. someone's listening to this now, and you know that's all very well and good but you know i've got my kids and stuff and i'm just doing my nine to five and i'm just trying to get through life yeah why do why do i need equanimity i've got my i've got my headspace app i do my two minutes a day or whatever and that's all i want to do and i just want to get through the day what is the because with us living in a capitalist culture Mainly. So political, we, political animal. Will we, everything is optimized towards that, isn't it? Mm. It's optimized towards being more productive. Yeah. And this and that. So there's always, it's, it's very difficult and often ends up being sort of a middle-class luxury yeah, to yeah, look yeah. at one's own flaws and be yeah, more exactly. equanimous. So how can the, how would you frame it for, the ordinary yeah. man or woman on the street. The riffraff. The general riffraff. Yeah. What how, how could how would equanimity help them? So yeah, I mean that's that's a trend, you know. Mo- the most people that are interested in mindfulness and that are middle class white women. Mm. Uh, and that the all the all the yoga types and that they're all white women. And, so, and us know, too. And oh yeah, two two really handsome young men. <laughs> young. <laughs> all relative age if you look at age like equanimously it's all just a label isn't it really mm. i mean it's my birthday next week oh there you go there uh, I, I wasn't like seeking uh anything but i probably was a bit but uh <laughs> it's literally the first time i've i'm approaching it and i'm looking forward to it not mm-hmm. like i'm looking forward to presents and stuff but whatever but i'm all parties it's i'm i'm actually looking like i love i now love getting older and getting wiser Mm. even if it's only a tiny bit Mm. because i used to be a bit like you know once you hit like 25 you start to go off i'll be 34 next week and it's like actually once you reframe it Mm. and go well now i've got imagine in a year's time how much more knowledge I'll have, how much more insight. It reminds Who me knows? Of, it reminds me of this book, if you 1% happier. 
You can get mm. 1% happier every year. Something yes. like that. I can't remember it, but, you know, anyway. It that, ends, um, ends up being 27%. I've never been able to work it out, but I think... Well, over it's compounds, year. Joey. That's why. Oh, so it's compound interest. So that's the idea, isn't it? So you improve by 1% every year. I don't know the maths, but in 10 years, that would be more like 250% or something. Right, okay. Bloody hell, smart. But then it's the other way around because, I mean, this is like uh, James Clear, Atomic Habits. He's all yeah, about that, like that, these little incremental yeah. changes and stuff. Yeah. And then the, the opposite is true. So if you decide to drink a beer every night for a year, yeah. Over time, yeah, it's gonna really do something. You know, it's yeah, you yeah. know, you're not gonna die, but it's not great. Yeah. Whereas if you um took that three quid for a beer and you put it into a savings thing, you'd have six hundred million dollars. Yeah. Anyways, probably <laughs> a bad analogy, but no, yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, so yeah, so the trend is that there's mainly middle class white women benefit from and us too. The benefit from <laughs> and we've got the pick of the crops. Sorry, you're married, aren't you? <laughs> I'm not married, I've got a girlfriend, but uh yeah, well, she it's close enough, isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah. Unless someone really hot's listening and they can no, I'm joking. Um would they like a free meditation? <laughs> <laughs> so a free time copy of my book. Yeah. <laughs> you have to edit this out. <laughs> yeah. What was that? Um, what was that guru? Um, who, who was the the one that introduced the Beatles? What was he called? Do you remember? No. But did he just use it for sex, basically? Well, have you ever heard the Beatles song "Sexy Sadie"? Yeah. Sexy Sadie. Yeah. You broke the rules. And um, anyways, that song's about him. So no. it's when John Lennon found out that he was flirting with the women and that and whatnot, and obviously using his power. Yeah, to... what's whatnot? I'm interested. Well, you know, <laughs> I don't know what whatnot was, but I think he was copping off with all the what women. Might it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was? Uh... Well, let's let's be like really professional. Let's look this up. Uh... Shall, I answer, shall I answer the question before? What you look at? No, no, no. And then I'll answer the question about why should people listen. Maharishi Mahesh. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of stories about guru figures, you know, taking advantage because mm. all this like, all this type of self-development stuff, like, you know, there's no there's no assumption that they've made it or like, you know, they are mindful now or they are equanimous now in my case. Because like these are kind of lofty virtues that I would say a lifetime. Uh, goals they're not something you can kind of quickly obtain and then somehow live everything every other moment like that like we're Mm -hmm. ultimately still human and you know an unenlightened mind like is gonna have a big ego and that ego is gonna relate to things wrongly a lot of the times so you know there's never this kind of that's what I think sometimes puts people off this self-help stuff is that this idea that you've got to become something or, you know, mm. like this linear path to better, but you're fine as you are uh, and just slow, slow increments, you know, 1%, <laughs> where, uh, you know, is going to make a big difference. And so that's why I say when you asked me before about how's people going to benefit from, you know, with our kids and stress and that, and it's like, mm-hmm. reminds me of the South Park clip. Have you seen the South Park clip that goes, it's a, advertising a Buddha box. And basically it's just a box that you put your, on your head and it has your smartphone in there and you can just watch all the time. And right. it, it tells itself at being like, uh, you too can be like the Buddha. Shut off from the world around you. And then you got this stressed out parent going, I want to be enlightened like the Buddha, but I've got these bastard kids. <laughs> <laughs> and all the kids are like going carnage in the background and he's just like, uh, you know, watching some it reminds me of that. And yeah. I think it's uh, playful in this type of idea that, like, this isn't just some, like, pill that you can have and then suddenly it's all going to be better. But it is something that you can work with that will give you less reactivity over time, less emotional reactivity and volatility. Uh, and it could be that 
people use it as, a, as initially as some kind of calming thing. Uh, but then I think it'll have profound effects in conflict resolution and collaboration and connection. Mm. It's relational intelligence rather than just an individual subjective intelligence that's created through mindfulness it's now how we connect with fellow people uh, and it'll improve relationships essentially mm. i think with the mindfulness stuff it's all like looking in and you can still you can look in and you can follow your breath and still be a bit of an asshole yeah uh, but you no know, actually if you then translate it to others and you concentrate on the other dimension then actually that adversely has a it makes you better at mindfulness as it is but also increases your uh peace of mind and harmony and all that a lot because yes this it's all about the others the, the, every, if your relationships are right your mental health's right mm. and too often we think that it's nothing about the outside it's all about us yeah and that's where this whole self-critical element comes in like Oh, I shouldn't be looking at him in the sauna like that. Or I do, you know, I'm so bad at this and I've started one book and I've got a thousand. So it's all about the self, but you just got to look at the society, look at what impact that's having. And it doesn't, it doesn't promote easily the the need for stress and for calm and for peace. It's promoting kind of people. It wants people to be pretty riled up. It's mm. edgy. Every time you listen to the news, it's edgy as, as fuck. You know, it's like trying to get you a little bit wound up and the yeah. media, papers it's all there even the social media it's all built upon likes and dislikes i mean it's all fucking anti-equanimity really mm. um, because it's act it's requesting you to be a certain way rather than allowing you to be who you are yeah so anyone's with kids you might just be your relationship with the child uh in certain contexts improves uh, you might generate more patience. Certainly patience is a, a big quality that I think emerges from it. Provided she isn't brain on the door when you try to meditate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, then it's like, don't be so like, you know, precious about it. And like, mm. yeah, it's all about external conditions, you know, and it's like, if there is a kind of kid crawling on the door, you go and open the door and yes. you, need, you know, everyone's trying yeah, to don't make resist. Because that it's resistance is futile is that right yeah well yeah yeah there's something in that too yeah it's like um you work with your conditions uh and you stop trying to create the perfect condition for you to then begin because mm. that will never be a perfect state or place mm. being of mind that will be perfect that yeah. that's the message and it's like forever this subconscious deep down feeling that the next moment's somehow going to be better than this one. Sure. I suppose as well, you would probably, in terms of mindfulness and stuff, just going back to what you were saying about children, and uh, I don't have kids, but I did uh, the step-parent thing for a little while, and I'm sure you'd agree that play playing and giving a child your entire attention and not resisting it and not thinking I want to go and meditate or play my phone is the greatest bit of mindfulness. There's, there's I've read something somewhere. I can't, I think it was, um, was it maybe that was it Jack Cornfield or someone like that? And he, he was like, basically a child will be more tough on you than any, um, sort of Buddhist uh, teacher, you know, if you went off into the woods and or whatever, you know, don't worry about going on your um, meditation retreat. You've mm. got one right there in a toddler yeah, exactly. with that. And that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the thing. It's like, we're not monks or nuns. If you're stressed out house uh, wife or, you know, you've got a stressful job, that's quite gender stereotypical, you know, mm -hmm. but if you are, just a stressed out person with like 10 kids running around the place and you, but you still want to practice. You can, mm. uh, because you, you, anything becomes the object of your practice. That's the thing. It's like mm. when you meditate, you're doing the breath and that's mm -hmm. the object. But when you're playing, you know, the play becomes the object. Sure. And so you, you, the object does it can change. It's not like I have to be now. I have to shave my head and sit in a quiet room, and so it has to be cross-legged. And now I'm meditating. It's like it's kind of bullshit, really. It's like you can bring it into the real world. You can do it all brushing your teeth. Mm. 
same psychology applies all the time. So if whatever external circumstances change doesn't mean that you can't then react. It's how you, it's all about your reaction and your categorization and your awareness. Yeah. So yeah, you could, I'm all for trying to make it more accessible for everyday normal people because I class myself as an everyday normal person that's not, uh, you know, that this mm-hmm. I do a normal life like normal stressed yeah. out boring job, uh, partner and kids, yeah. mortgage bills and trying to maintain it all and also have some form of well-being social life fitness you know it's a a lot to cram cram in sure if we look at it all negatively and without equanimity then it can often be very low don't like that don't like that and you start realizing there's only a tiny bit of life that i enjoy or Mm -hmm. like but if you view it all with equanimity it's like it's all kind of kind of magical really Mm -hmm. it could be you know and that's not to say that you're blissed out in everything you do all the time but you've got less resistance to things because you're like, you just go with the flow. You're more fluid with with people and, and transitory nature of time rather than resisting and wanting things a certain mm. way. Mm-hmm. Mm. Who's Fat Tony? <laughs> he's a thought, he's poor man. He's my inner child that wanted, my inner actor that is still very much alive in me that gets upset when I'm knee deep in marking essays and, stuff for not following my dreams oh so he's like a an alter ego yeah well he's just he's just a character that me and andy created well like i i played him and i was this italian gangster type and uh, we fell in love with the mustache and the mustache became a gangster himself and killed killed my friend slim McBain. we created like three stories and it was back in the day it brought so much joy and it's like now when you get older it's like oh that kind of just is there isn't time for the joy. It's quite sad. Sure. So so when I am really bored and in the rigid existence, I'm like, oh, you know, if I followed the Fat Tony dream and just kept mm. find, finding him, then he releases some kind of tension for me. Yeah. I think that's important. Just like, yeah, just being daft. And, yeah. you know, like we've all got, like I've got a couple of my mates or whatever that you just – you can't explain it, but you just have this crack, which is just just being really silly, and yeah. no one else would probably find it funny. Yeah. But you, you like in a certain, you know, there might be two of years where, and I think that's you have to. It's good to go back to that as as often as you can. Yeah, exactly. And I often found like there's a lad I used to work with, and we'll send each other voice notes, just pretending so- to be like our old boss. And and just like little like skits, yeah. But interesting enough, you can always figure out where the other person's at because sometimes they don't reply. Yeah, Does that makes sense. Yeah. And they're totally. not in the mood for it because they're yeah, yeah. too like. Yeah, but then yeah. on the converse, it'll will flip, and they'll yeah. send me some at Daff, and I'm like, oh. yeah. And on occasion, I'm together, and then we'll just have an, an absolute laugh, you know, complete harmony. Just being stupid. Wow, and that's. That's good when you're like trying to intellectualize everything all the time. It's good just to be daft. Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. It's the, it's the, uh, it's the, again, it's the extremeness of us. Like we, we, I think it's a human tendency to try and have, to perceive life is best lived in it, lived as it, as an extreme. And so coming back to this idea of balance and in a kind mm. of, contentment and it's just less kind of, less um less extreme and more able to like finally play the tune of emotion rather than allow extreme emotions to play you uh you, you know you can go up and down so you can be joyful it's still part of being equanimous and mm. the anger and anger's okay too depends how you how you how you deal with it but like these emotions we're not trying to eradicate any hum, any part of humanness it's just embracing the totality of what it means to be human Mm. And and that's 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 something that I think equanimity also points to because it's asking you to look at your discrimination faculties and also look at that of others and with a bit of wisdom be like, you know, what where's this come from? Why is that the way it is? And more often than not, it's come from a very strict parent view or a very conditioned past. 
uh, about oh, it could be some past trauma that's occurred that now now or, or some kind of racism sexism that we've picked up from the media it's not really that we don't like people who have a different skin pigmentation but it's some kind of media um escapade that's gone on for centuries and we've now ingrained that and we've seen all our loved ones do that so now we are that but it's not really us mm. it's just a kind of fabrication and so the, these types of questions are really significant when we want to improve our mental health and well-being to ask to to, to look at yourself a little bit more and fellow people and with less judgment and more openness and curiosity and kindness and all this type of stuff, because then, then you're starting to work with people and also work with aspects of yourself that you might not like, like you might find out, oh fuck, I'm actually really not a nice person. I'm constantly judging. Mm. But in, if you have don't have equanimity towards that, then you're then just going to fall down the self-hate route and low self-esteem and criticize yourself and all that crap so again it's about recognizing you have to pra practice self-compassion with this too mm. like be, be kind to yourself recognize your common humanity you know we've all got flaws and i i, I i'm often quite open with my flaws and uh, as part of me i don't want them to not be there yes over time it's like will some of them change i mm -hmm. hope so but equally, if some aspects are still there, I'm not going to beat myself up about them because some conditioning is real deep and it goes back a long time. And, you know, some would argue it, we're given it uh, at birth by some kind of godlike creator or mm -hmm. someone, some would argue that it's past life imprint. So it's even yeah. deep, habitual way of, of, of being. Uh, and some would argue it's just fucking DNA. I mean, whatever you want, doesn't matter really. That mm -hmm. argument's kind of defunct to me because it's like, well, we're all different and it's dead obvious. So you can have your little belief system. It doesn't mean that anything to me. Uh, and I don't mean little belief to belittle yours and mine's is better, but it's just like, I think everyone places so much emphasis on difference uh, and separation. And actually it's like the majority of the time, we're actually very, very, very similar. We all want peace, kindness, yeah. happiness, laughter, joy, you know, all that type of stuff. We all want that. Uh, but somehow all, how we communicate that is by noticing separateness and only hanging out with people we like and or we like the same football team as us or yeah our jokes you know kind of real bullshit superficial reasons mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, so so equanimity is really I think it's a, a superpower really and if it was adopted properly and looked at properly and trained properly I have courses that teach equanimity. Uh, teach this over a six six week period um, with meditations and 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 things like that uh, and yeah I'm completely for it and it's beginning to take shape in the science world like some studies have started to ha happen measuring mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. the psychometric tools out there that can now measure it and you know the book's been translated into Dutch and last week I signed a contract for it to be translated in Italian which I'm really? absolutely buzzing about. Yeah. So, like, there's there's some in, there's a lot of interest. Yeah. And you ask why, and it's like, well, because I don't think mindfulness is enough, and I'll stand by that. Um, yeah. We need we need other constructs to help us flourish, and we never got taught mental health skills no. in schools. So no wonder we're so messed up. And so just because equanimity is kind of different and it sounds weird and it's like, well, it's a funky word, doesn't mean that we can't make that really, really kind of mainstream, you know, make it as common as the word, I don't know, and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it's so vital to help us, I think. Of course. Yeah. So right. on that note, mm. where we're, where can people go if they want to find more about Dr. Joey and your course, your book? Travel to the farthest mountain you can find. <laughs> I will be there. <laughs> Just look up to the stars or have an ice bath and then close your eyes for five minutes and then I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, I hope you're not taking the piss out of me there. I love no, the mate. Advice. Yeah. I love an ice bath. I've never had one, but I love the idea of yeah. an ice bath. I've had a nice shower. To be honest, that, that science is useful. That that whole what Wim Hof's done and all that kind of ice stuff, I think is really cool. Mm. I'm all for I'm all for that. And it's an part of another vocabulary to do with yes. how, how we can flourish in that instance. And 
there's something about equality in that as too is like a relationship to cold relationship to yeah uh, concept of of cold you know if you there's some stuff there so there's some parallel i like it um mm. but yeah if you want to find me there's a website uh i appreciate if people buy books from my website so then i'm not just giving like jeff bezos more rocket fuel um, mm. and pennies i'm getting at least enough to buy a caramel macchiata a starbucks <laughs> don't drink pints that much anymore uh so sugar been... sugar caffeine and consumerism basically that's, yeah that's going to be a new headstone right i want big big branded sugar for uh, make sure it. you go to starbucks and not a local <laughs> <laughs> we don't want independent stuff we want yeah. just one oneness of a massive yeah. brand yeah exactly amazon and starbucks i'm i'm a books i'm a books I'm a... what is the web address www.starbucks.com <laughs> I'm putting it in the chat equanimee.com yeah www.equanimee.com because it's all about you man what me. I'll I'll do um I'll put a link in as well the equanimu story is another story for a different podcast yeah so before we go what's next for for Joey uh, I'm hoping like Indian takeaway in a good film I knew you were going to say that. What an asshole. What, what, what? <laughs> Get off this frigging call. <laughs> um, what's next? I am going to Indiana to teach equanimity. Wow. And and hopefully Kentucky and Nashville is like a little mini tour of t- me teaching equanimity. Right. Equanimity, Indiana Buddhist Center have invited me to do a course. Uh, and so I'm going over there. I'm starting to do... Uh, public teachings in physical spaces like it's all been on zoom recently like the last few years so now I'm like I led a retreat in Northumberland last week like a weekend retreat yeah equanimity, equanimity based compassion action is the course I'm plugging yeah uh, and it's like this this whole fab course that talks about all kinds of stuff um to do with equanimity but yeah basically I'm going to Indiana in April uh, and then see it from there then books now and becoming an Italian so some good exciting things but yeah I'm, I'm, yeah maybe nothing as well I might become absolutely that's all right miserable yeah I might be I might, it might not work and then but I'll be all right with it yeah <laughs> equanimity <laughs> I can just uh play this on repeat yeah I can just uh, takes take some acid and I'll just will be fine I'll just that's how I'll die I'll just Smoke loads of cigarettes and then take them out. Working in me, tried my best for you, bastard. And then ironically feel it in my death. Love it. Thank you so much for listening to that episode with Dr. Joey Weber. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. Thank you for making it all the way to the end of the episode. Unfortunately, I don't have any prizes or anything for you for making it this far other than one great big thank you. Make sure you listen next week because I will have Dr. Rachel Taylor on. She is a neuroscientist and an expert in the field of autism. So that's going to be really, really interesting. Please tune in. And if you enjoyed that episode, then please do hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm.